Welcome. It's another episode of uh, not the Community Broadband Bits podcast, but connect this. So uh, we're having a we're gonna have a really fun show, and it's a little bit unstructured because uh, we have no Rye today. Usually behind the scenes, Rye is taking care of everything, and uh, right now it would not surprise me if there's only three people in the whole universe that can hear me because I screwed up the broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to move ahead and I'm going to ignore my texts. Um, uh, we got our, we've been, we've been gone for almost a month. So I'm very excited to bring back our regular crew. And we've got uh, Mr. Doug Dawson uh, back with CCG. Welcome. And I am glad I'm one of the three who can hear you. This is great. So. Mm -hmm. Excellent. <laughs> Uh, we've got Travis Carter from um, U.S. Internet in Minneapolis. Welcome back to um, uh, the show that you co-host. Huh? Can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Kim Chris. McKinley. Kim McKinley is in Montana. Uh, usually in in Utah with Utah. Well, usually work always working for Utopia Fiber. Sometimes at her home in Utah, but currently <laughs> on the road, which is more common, I think. Yeah, it is. I'm here in uh, Bozeman, Montana. It is a 94 degrees here in Montana. So how hot is it in the rest of the country? Uh, I think it's Bose person at this point. <laughs> <laughs> we have um, we'll, we'll, we'll jump right into I'm going to share my screen here if I can if I can figure this out. Uh, um, and uh, and jump right into the, the peekaboo. This is a uh, this is an exciting one, um, and it comes from a uh, friend of the show, uh, Mr. Bob Knight. <laughs> Kim brought the hat, but I want to know where the where the leather is. <laughs> it's pleather. We, <laughs> we are not a true Montanan, but thank you, Mr. Bob Knight, for that lovely picture that he sent of me today. Um, but yes, we were up in. Uh, uh, Gallatin County talking about talking about broadband in rural areas today this morning. It's 95 degrees and you're wearing a coat, huh? Okay. It was wow. like, okay. So to be fair, it's like 44 when you wake up, and I was really cold. And then at that point, I was dying to get that jacket off when I was talking. I was like, <laughs> I feel like we should just. I do yeah. feel like we should take a minute to give you a chance to actually say what you were doing up there. No, so I think it's a really exciting time. We were just talking about that, um, that they have applied for ARPA money up here. We should find out in the next few weeks. And they're applying for bead money for these county rural locations. But what we, what some other exciting news is that we're accepting pre-sales in our first um, area in uh, Bozeman on Monday. So we should have our first installs happening in September. Wow. Uh, and that's within 10 months of us uh, even closing the financing. So huge deal that we are that, that fast of getting this done. So huge news up here in uh, Montana, but uh, I think I would like it better up here since it's not uh, over a hundred. So I'm, I'm good to be up in Montana rather than Utah right now. Excellent. Well, congratulations. Mm -hmm. Thank you, thank uh, you. We do have a, a question from the audience. Um, yep. Okay, where is your fabulous hat? Yes, I, I do need a hat, but uh, Kim's turn to wear the cool hat today. And uh, by the way, I think that Reed, he owes me a call back. So, you know, I, I tried to call him and he just rolled a voicemail. So call me my back. Question, my question is, how do you get that hat home? That's way too big for the overhead. 
Okay, first of all, it's an eleven dollar hat from Walmart, and oh, so yeah. as I sit in my seat tomorrow, I will be wearing this hat. Whole <laughs> I think I think not only that hat, but also the way you have your hair underneath it is very fetching. So um, I'm just excited I get to use the word fetching. So. <laughs> Hang on here. I gotta pull up my call log now because Reed is terrible at calling me back. So, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so we have a number of topics to cover today that uh, will be a little bit more serious than uh, Kim's hat. And uh, uh, although I have to say. Um, I don't know. Maybe the FCC is taking the definition of broadband about as seriously as Kim is taking her hat. <laughs> so let's transition into that. And um, uh, we got uh, news. I mean, uh, I think it was it was in Ars Technica. I assumed it was John Brodkin, but I actually didn't pay attention. Uh, I think had the story that kind of broke the news that uh, Chair Jessica Rosenworcel of the FCC is uh, talking about how they might consider someday raising the definition of broadband to 120, which I think a lot of informed people thought would happen before March of this year. Well, let me, let me put some context on that. She, she proposed the same thing when she was a commissioner in the 2020 uh, broadband plan, of which immediately got nixed by then Chairman Agent Pai. But they did have, because she had suggested that they had to have a discussion on it, and they quickly came to the conclusion that 25.3 was still adequate in 2020. So, you know, how, that was that was probably the most embarrassing thing the FCC's ever agreed on. So, um, I think, so there's a number of things that, that come up with this. And, um, and one of them, Doug, I don't know if you saw, I had a, I had a, a short Twitter thread responding to your blog post about this. Um, uh, I, I was deeply disappointed you didn't write back and tell me that I'm brilliant. Uh, you know, that's what Twitter is for telling me either that I'm an asshat or that I'm brilliant. Uh, so, well, you know what, Chris, let's fix that now. You're a brilliant asshat. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's, a, I think there's interesting discussions, which is um, you had, you made the point that, uh, you know, if you look at speed tests, most people will not show that they have 120. So do you want to make that point? Yeah. The, you know, the vast majority of cable customers don't get 20 megabits upload. So most of the United States does not, is not, doesn't have broadband if they pass that. So trouble is if they, if that's really the speed test, if that's really the rule, they're declaring that half the people in cities don't have broadband. What? But Doug, is it at what time of day? At two a.m. They no, no, no. I just I do a lot of speed tests in cities where everybody gets eleven. I mean, it's not a time of day thing. They're just not getting twenty ever. So. But that's what are they signed up for? Well, you don't really sign up for upload. The, the cable companies don't really hardly ever advertise no. their upload. You know, so well, I think they are required uh, to disclose it, and they do disclose it if you dig deep enough. In many cases, yeah. No, they don't. They're not really. No, they don't. Is it? And so what, what I see is you get above 20 if you subscribe to their gigabit product or sometimes a 600 megabit product. But, but if you subscribe to something slower, you typically don't. Except in some cities, everybody gets more than 20. It's a very much of a local network issue. So Usually in the same national companies will have some cities will get it. Some oh, will yeah, absolutely. There'll be, there'll be Carter, Charter and Comcast cities that have it and don't have it. Absolutely. And this is what we would expect because all of these networks were built by small different companies back well, in the day. Built that got acquired. 50 different companies, right, exactly. So there are, some of them are a real mess. So. But is it what they get or is it what they are advertising? And I think that's the difference of what we're uh -huh. 
That's what I said in my Twitter stream. But then I went on to anticipate what Doug would say back to me, which was that the cable companies may not be capable of delivering 20 megabits to every home at the same time. They're not. They're not. If everybody got on and used it, it would crash. So um, we don't have time for the 10-minute lecture of why cable upload sucks, but it's it's bad. It, it's a it's a technical issue. So, but it's it's getting resolved, isn't it? In like with uh, in the next version of Doxis, and I think if that's four, if, that's four years away, so, it's it, uh, it could be shorter though, right? It's four years away because they don't have an incentive to really deploy it. I mean, the FCC no, it's in four making years this... away, it's four years away from being available for manufacturers. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that I mean that it takes a while to get a new technology to market, so. I mean, it's all worked out. They're still working on the lab specs on it. I mean, they've done three field tests, but that's not the, I mean, right now they have a breadboard chip that's that big. That's not mm -hmm. a chip. Right. So the other piece of this, which I feel like is, I'm curious if Travis subscribes to, is, is it too little too late? What is? 20, it's the. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah. The hundred is ridiculous. 65% of the people, meaning everyone from cable companies, all those big cable companies have set their minimum at 200. So why would why would 100 be the definition? It means it means everyone else is going to be behind the cities on the day they approve it. I, I'm I'm not sure why we have to set the bar so low. I mean we're right. we're debating get rid of 500 meg and just go gig only. Right. Yeah, we've outlawed 120 on our network like back in '86. So, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But I feel a bet, as as a wise man emailed us today. We're, we're in a bet. We're we're in the double or nothing no, but section of the bet. Like, okay, I'm thinking we got to go lobster tails. Huh? <laughs> let's put let's put some real money into this, Mitchell. Uh, do lobster tails come with, with uh, buffalo sauce? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Isn't this just one of the commissioners? In passing, said, should we look at it or is no, this like because no? Well, she 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 has put it into the docket once a year. They have to write a report to Congress. So they now that she put it in there, they have to discuss it and vote on it. So okay, but if it's a two-two commission, then I don't think we know. It's, I mean, I think probably, we do know. Then it's probably not going to go anywhere, right? Chances are high that it won't go anywhere. But she may already have greased one of them to vote for it. Who knows? We don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. Oops, <laughs> that's. Well, that's cool, but that wasn't that's the one cool. I meant to yeah, click on. Yeah, you're, you're gonna, we're already having uh, somebody to supply the lobster for you. That's really kind of cheating. So, unless he charges Wait, you. Look at Reed. He's just talking away today in chat. He's our yeah. he's, he's our fan. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he's, he's making a case to get joined in. Unfortunately, there's no way to do that with me running the show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, bad timing, Reed. Uh, but I think this, th there's a question then, which is um, uh, my my answer. I would suspect yes. Like I would think that the cable cars have fiber um, all around where they need it. They have, uh, they have way more than enough backbone to support it. It's a it's an issue of the way the the networks are configured. They have a tiny little piece assigned to to upload, and it's the old analog channels one to five. And if you're oldest me, you remember they were nothing but static. Remember those days? Any of you that are older? Uh, the, those, those channels are where car engines, microwave ovens, you know, weed, weed whackers, everything makes them jump around. And that's what happens to the cable network. Everything in the whole city interferes. I with mean, broadband. yeah. Doug, I'm only 20, so I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I know, I know you don't. Well, you know, you, you, you these have TVs where you actually had to change the knob. I know this is, I know yeah. this is beyond your belief. Pre-clicker. <laughs> Pre-clicker. <laughs> um, I mean, this is where I feel like my frustration with the FCC 
is really boiling in, in that like i mean i was even on on twitter i was having a conversation and there was a discussion about um you know jitter and latency and these other factors and you know i feel like once we're out of the sort of like 25 to 50 megabit world at that point issues of reliability and other technical measures are more important and somebody on twitter agreed with me that that it would be better to measure those at this point because they're harder to game and uh we'd be much better off if we focused on that jitter is way more important than speed yeah so you want to see what jitter is for a second for our 20 year old jitter, audience jitter is just when the signal goes up and down and up and down very quickly on a cable network the speed changes every millisecond and so if at any time it dips too low if you're on a Zoom call like this one or something, you just drop. It only takes one little tiny hit and boom, you're gone. So. Yeah, we see that with um, whenever I'm talking to folks in um, Los Angeles who are on Charter Spectrum. Uh, that network in particular oh. seems, that in Maine, frankly, most of the Charter Spectrum in Maine is so awful. Right. Um, so, but this is where like, I feel like, shouldn't the expert agent, like, the whole point of having the Federal Communications Commission, which is which is there's lawsuits right now, whether or not the FCC has too much authority and whether Congress can grant that much authority to it. We think we talked about this last time, maybe, um, you know, and then there's the issue of what the FCC can grant that authority out. But like the whole point of having an expert agency is that it's supposed to be good at making these decisions, not just being like, you know, what would be easy speed. Let's talk about speed, a test which is like easily gamed, doesn't tell us a whole lot, you know, like, shouldn't we well, have the higher standards? This is a standards? political decision. I can promise you they did not ask their engineers. The FCC has awesome engineers. So, yeah. But, I mean, it's so political, but, I mean, they, they're they trying to appease so many people, and speed is the easiest thing to appease everybody, right? Like, because yeah. if you go to jitter or you go to latency, you're, you're getting into a whole other beast, which you are disqualifying most of the incumbents, which a lot of lobbying money right. is coming. And so, no, remember the cable companies fought very hard to get the grants at 120 because originally the federal grants were written at 100, 100. So they're all going to raise their right hand and claim they can do 120. That's what they're, mm -hmm. that's their defense. Although they, they don't do it, but they're going to swear they can do it. I'll note that in California, EFF went back and forth constantly with cable lobbyists in Sacramento who would say, oh, yeah, we do. We do 35 megabits up. No problem. And then California said, all right, we're going to set the standard at 20 megabits up. And the cable companies fought hard to try to water that down and said, oh, no, we couldn't. We can't do that. So <laughs> right. they say whatever they want, which is ever whatever is right. convenient at the time. And <sighs> if there's one thing that we found, it's that people can say whatever they want as long as they have enough power and nobody will hold them to account. Um, anyone know anything about Altice? Yeah. Do you know enough to pronounce it Altis or Altice? <laughs> I've always said Altice, but I don't know. Okay. They don't use that as their brand name. They go by Optimum or whatever. So, yeah. Um, they, they supposedly are upgrading all their networks to fiber, but they announced that four years ago and they're only about 15% done. So we'll, we'll see it when it happens, but that's supposedly mm -hmm. their plan. So. so it's another fiber to the press release that we see so often here in this yeah, industry. Yeah. Now, they are doing some fiber, but they're way, way behind their schedule. They're upgrading um, at the pace of DSL. Yeah. The company that's actually doing this in Chris's neck of the woods, Midco says they're going to do their entire network. Uh, they're in North Dakota and Minnesota. Uh, yeah, we were just looking at um, uh, their area. They're particularly strong up near Grand Forks and yeah, Fargo. Yeah. And we were looking at Northwest Minnesota, and there's a real odd patchwork yeah. uh, when you look at the map. And I well, assume that bought, that's fixed like wireless from Midco. That's their fixed wireless, but they also bought like 30 teeny tiny little cable companies in Minnesota. 
So, I mean, they're in some tiny towns you wouldn't believe. So, yeah. okay. Probably got some work to do there, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Some of those were like 12 channel cable systems. <laughs> so, I would presume they're probably upgrading those with fiber anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. So I want to I want to talk about um, about what we're expecting from uh, AT&T in particular. I think they just locked down some more counties in Indiana. Is it uh, yeah. they're they're moving ahead. Uh, they got a they got Oldham County in Kentucky. And, and as I understand it, these local governments expect that they're giving some chunk of change to AT&T and they're expecting that AT&T will bring fiber to every one of Everyone. the premises. That's what they're expecting in the history of AT&T. Have they? ever done that no they're very selective over builder they build only to people who can pay them yeah do we expect that they'll build fiber to some and then claim some hardship or act of god and then say well we got fixed wireless for the rest yeah yeah that's what i fully expect that not you know they will probably build the 80 or 90 percent they just won't go after the hard ones yeah they're gonna or they'll come up and go oh and if your driveway is more than 400 feet it's Twenty thousand dollars to get on. <laughs> okay, I can't wait for Travis's response. How do you feel about this, Travis? I, I am. You know what? I'm still stuck on. To be honest with you, is how surprised Chris gets every time. Can you believe it? I can't believe. It. You know, I really want to piece together a a montage of the last yes. ten years of Chris surprised at all these policy decisions. So I'm still stuck in that chapter. Sorry, Kim. <laughs> I what, what this are we is what of fiber. I don't know. Are it's been more than ten minutes since Travis asked me to quit my job and start a fiber uh, company with him. And so, yeah. uh, Travis, the day I can't believe it a anymore is the yeah. day that I'm going to be going to business with yeah. you. <laughs> I just can't believe what the FCC did. <laughs> hey, we should have a drinking game for this. No, uh, I don't think we can survive it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I think I, I, think I have honestly, I, Kim yeah. was looking for the question of whether you're jealous of of uh, the companies that are going after the subsidies. <laughs> no, no, you you guys enjoy it, yeah, you, you enjoy it. I just found out last night at dinner that uh, if you're a new fiber entrant, fiber now is 104 um, months out. So I'm always so AT and T. You know what? Quite frankly, they can get it tomorrow. Uh, anybody else? Uh, two years. So I'm I'm rooting. Well, you for said 104 years. months. Yeah, I mean weeks, weeks, weeks. Yeah. Sorry, weeks. at 104 months, I feel like that's just sort of like four yeah, weeks. You know, maybe you know, weeks, months. Is it you know, maybe? You're, 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 look how surprised you are. Yeah, no, 104 well, weeks to get it. Well, actually, if it's 104 weeks, three times during the 104 weeks, they're going to tell you it's going to be longer. So it could yeah, be yeah. 104 months. So you know what? AT and T has the ability to actually get this done. I guess so. If you're a get know. it done. Yeah, I mean, I mean I, so I, I have yet to find a project where people are like, you know what, we're, we're screwed. We we are not in, we're not installing right now because we ran out of product. I feel like 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 this is one of those things that everyone's just like, oh, man, like this is so hard. But it's also the job is like they figure out a way to make things work. No, I know folks that are on hold waiting. I mean, yeah. So. I hate yeah. you, Doug. But are, are you? But are you talking to people that are talking about doing it, or people that are? No, no. It? I'm talking to you know, you know, as as I talk with like, Travis, like there's a few other people. Ground, like boring conduit. Yeah. Yeah, there's okay. a few people that return my phone calls, and okay. <laughs> <laughs> only a few, only a few. Yeah, yeah. It's one of them worse, watches the show. It's only going to get worse because of the amount of fiber it's going to build in the next two years. It's going to get a lot harder. Yeah. You have to develop relationships with people who already have. Like I mean, relationships with 
to get anywhere beyond what Travis is saying because you can't so, like without without that. We've stumbled into supply chain, and so I feel like this is a chance for Travis to be surprised that his prices have gone up again. Okay, let's do uh, it. You know what? I, actually, we've gone a week now without a significant price price increase on anything. You know. Can Can I ask you my favorite question? Yeah. Okay. Do it. So, who's applying for the beef money? Well, the big companies are. AT and T will go after a ton of them. No, we want to. We just want to have Travis's answer. Uh, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to hear. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm curious. Uh, Doug would probably know. I have no idea. I just don't know. I just don't know who's going to go after this money. And I'm going to be surprised. I know a lot of people who are not going to go after it. They've looked at the rules and said no way. So Do you really? I mean, like. Because yeah. uh, I'm still I'm still hearing people being like, yeah, we, we think we're going to try and make a run on it. Like, <laughs> well, they may they might want to now with the interest rates going through the roof. I don't know. How, well, I don't know how, this is my question. We're started talking about supply chain. I feel like when you look at B.A. four, five, 10, 20, whatever they're whatever the thing is like, it looks to me like China's going to get shut down again um, at some right. point here in the near future. And. I just I, at that point I don't I don't know what's happening anywhere. Like I can't imagine just as we like have maybe have some hope of some supply chains being restored, another massive shutdown in China uh, to me looks like a real nightmare. You know the it's a very in the electronics world it's a really spotty shortage. Uh, Nokia I just had a chat with Nokia they you, they will ship ONTs in four weeks. There's other guys who are saying six eight months. So it just depends on. Who you talk to when? So, yep. Travis, are you freaking out? No, a uh, hundred basis points coming up though—that's going to hurt. So yes. that—that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt big time. And if they does that actually the does that hurt you today, or does that hurt you next year when you're getting your financing oh, for next today. year? I, again, it depends on how your debt structure is, but the way ours is structured, it's a it's a you know rake off LIBOR or whatever they. I, there's a new name for LIBOR now. So every time that goes up, that hits us directly. He got an adjustable rate mortgage. He's dead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like a, it's like a HELOC, right? So yep. every time every time I pay back, it gives me more to borrow instead of like a lot of guys that are on fixed term loans. I mean, I don't know. I don't. Kim, are you guys on fixed or are you on variable? Fixed. You do fixed project loans, right? Yeah, project. I think, I think Kim just said yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's looking around. <laughs> Where's my guy? Where's my financing guy? <laughs> oh, and I Kim, Kim, you just got cut off by Travis. Sorry, can you start over? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, I was like, this hat is a man, and my internet is sucky up here. So, yes, we have fixed rate loans for the entire project of the okay. car cities have fixed rate. Yeah. Is that how you're seeing the most people have their structure, Doug? Yeah, most people are, that I work with are either doing municipal bonds or they're getting bank loans at fixed rates. Okay. But they're but they're they're financing twenty fifty million dollar projects at once. Yeah. Um, yeah. So guys at your size, guys at your size, are do not get fixed rates. So. Yeah. Kim, you'll be in a in a hotel that you're serving next time you're up there. I hope. Hopefully. Uh, I think I she's gonna. I think she's gonna be in that shack that was right behind the podium there. Probably. I mean, we we're dealing not just with jitter but lag now too. Yeah. So oh, I think her signal's going a... to the moon and back. Yeah. Go ahead, Kim. Bozeman, beautiful city, but um, I 
so it looked like LaGuardia um, on in the summertime when you got off the airport. So I didn't book my hotel on time to get to a net, a hotel that was on work at this point. So that is my fault. So, but next time I will be on a, net, a hotel that is on the Yellowstone Fire, this current one. Excellent. And hopefully whoever else is in that hotel will chill out. Because <laughs> I think you were doing fine originally, but uh, someone up, someone's downloading some torrents or something like that. I don't know if that's something the kids still do. Uh, Doug, we're on this stuff. By America, what's going on there? You've, uh, you just wrote about, wrote about it. Well, the USDA asked for a, a temporary uh, repeal of the, or, you know, a break from it. And that's for for the reconnect loans, but remember they also have like 29 different grant loan projects worth a hundred million dollars or something because they also do farm loans and all sorts of other stuff. And so they, they said they needed a timeout because their borrowers didn't understand how to buy American. They actually said, can we have a little break so we can go teach them how to do that? But they're expecting to go back to it. The White House, White House made it clear about two and a half, three months ago that they did not expect to give people any waivers. Meanwhile, I have all sorts of, I'm on, on these podcasts watching Talking Heads going, yeah, they're probably going to give us a waiver. I don't believe anyone's going to get a waiver. I really don't think it's coming. I mean, the White House is real serious about sticking to Buy America. So Now, you say that. If we take that, I think this is the uh, immovable force or the immovable object and the unstoppable force. Um, you said that there's pieces that we cannot buy in the United States. Yeah, and, 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 and for electronics and stuff, there is a percentage of Americans so that you have to fit them under the piece that's not American. So there, I mean, it's, for fiber and conduit, it's 100% American, period. No waiver. So it just depends on the item you're buying. Things made out of steel, 100% American. But so the electronics, it's 55% American. For most of them, a few of them are 45%. So, yeah. So there, there's room to wiggle that stuff. So, Any other thoughts on Buy American from anyone? We need to, we need to support the country. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think, I mean, conduit handholes, fiber, locate wire, all that's reasonably easy to get by. It's electronics. That's, that's really the hard part. Yeah. Kim. I said, do we think it's going to change? Do we think that we're going to see a change in the, like in the regulations of what it's electronics or conduit or fiber? Do we think, that as more people apply and more people get into this, are we going to see that change? Or do you think it's going to stay the same? They, I mean, Congress can always change it if the White House won't. If, if, if these projects truly just come to a screeching halt enough of them, they might have to change it. Yeah. So. Do we think it's going to change? Because, I mean, at least from what I'm seeing, you're seeing cities, at least on the municipal side, slow down because of the interest rates, right? You're seeing like people be a little more hesitant with the economic conditions and the supply chain issues. Do you think that we're going to see more of those slow down or do you think it's just like a, or am I seeing an, an anomaly in the system? The United States is slated to build more fiber in 2023 than all the fiber that's ever been built. So a slowdown won't even hardly make a dent in it. <laughs> and that's before like a lot of the bead and stuff like that. So yeah, that's where I'm thinking right. like with all of this talk, I mean, I got to think that like the cost of spinning up a factory to build some of this stuff in the U S you have the time. I mean, like there's this demand is just going to keep growing for several years and then it'll peak at some point. 
Yeah, I'm aware of several people starting like conduit factories that they're going to fill that need. So, yeah. So. And you have to look at the complexity, too, because like to do a conduit, you know, if you can get the extruders, you know, it, it's it's it, it's it's the, the barriers less on conduit than it is like, you know, actually doing fiber cables and drawing and all that. So, you know, it, it also what piece of the puzzle are you are you worried about I've, I've been talking to a lot of people about just at least trying to get the conduit in the ground and then like a year later populating the fiber behind it mm -hmm. right which works for your model better than than others perhaps yeah um so we saw awards in uh the great state of north carolina doug and uh boy <laughs> i'm i'm super shocked but the company that My has worst, done a, I need a drink. I, need a drink. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. I could not have anticipated that the company that controls the North Carolina legislature got most of the awards after having rigged the process to make sure a lot of the competitors weren't able to bid. Uh, shocking. Uh, Charter I, Spectrum, I, way to go. I don't know how, what to say, Chris, because I, I couldn't believe it myself. <laughs> so I just want to, Travis, for your, for your hey, education. Was Chris I, surprised? I just want to make sure I drink. So he was surprised. Yeah. Okay. Shocked. shocked as two drinks. <laughs> I um, I wrote about this on uh, on LinkedIn and Twitter. So for those folks who <laughs> haven't had the pleasure yet, um, the process for for building your monopoly entirely with taxpayer dollars is you go and you win the auction in Ardoff by totally underbidding, and then you rig the uh, the rules in North Carolina so that um, the basically companies like Alan um, Alan Patter Alan Fitzgerald who's been on the show before can't bid. And then you win uh, the awards in North Carolina to pay for how you underbid uh, in Ardoff. And voila, you get to expand your network at very little cost to yourself. And they're getting state grants in the same areas they have Ardoff. Yep. So they're double dipping. Yeah. They're yeah. even getting, they're getting grants in places that are served by electric co-ops, which, and, and those, and, and telephone co-ops, and those companies are going after the money and charters beating them in the grants. Yeah, fun, fun, right? And now Charter will be Charter will be trying to write, rewrite. Sorry, Kim, I'll get back to you in a second. But Charter will be trying to change the pole attachment rules for sure in North Carolina. I'm guessing to further force those electric companies that it unfairly basically screwed out of the process uh, to get money to force them to their electric ratepayers to pay the costs for Charter to get um, their fiber up on those poles. I'm guessing. Well, it's a vicious cycle. <laughs> It's called, it's called by the legislature, get what you want. So. I just didn't know if like we're seeing a public <laughs> uprising of people being angry about this, or do they not even understand what's happening in North Carolina? People, that, okay. people in North Listen. Carolina have been angry about this for 20 years, and that's just they yeah, own the that legislature here. Republican just, the Republican yeah. Party, like a majority <laughs> of their members of the legislature would like to change the rules in North Carolina to make it easier for others to invest aside from AT&T and Charter Spectrum. It is the leadership of like a few Republicans in the legislature. Yes, that's like a couple that committee just, heads. Right. right, exactly. And because like there's a whole bunch of people, many of them are younger, you know, they've been elected in the past few years who are like, they're from areas that have really poor broadband. And they're like, they ran on a platform of like, let's, let's try to like change things and make sure we can get it. And then charter comes in and the party leadership tells those, those young, you know, elected folks, uh, sorry, you're not allowed to do anything on this because we got it covered. Um, it's, it's incredibly frustrating. And I'll just say that like, this isn't like, this is this kind of corruption is not specific to charter spectrum right if you look at what the electric private electric utilities are doing in ohio it's not, it is it's, not, it's crazy it's, it's not unique to uh 
Republican states. California is owned by AT&T. It has been forever. So. Although AT&T's grip has weakened quite a bit recently. Yes. Um, but no, I would agree with you. And I'll just, I mean, another example is South Carolina where like the state is just like, is overcharging electric customers like billions of dollars for just atrociously managed, um, um, you know, of um, plants. The post courier has, has covered this. Nobody cares. Like the electric rates are higher than they should be so that we can pad the, po- the, the profits of like Warren Buffett and whatnot, who own these monopoly companies who just game the system. And like, it's complicated and no one cares. And so like, it's, it's just remarkably frustrating and i'm surprised every time so i, I don't know what to tell you <laughs> Train. <laughs> but that's i mean that's what it comes down to and like i feel like the natural reaction from people is to say well it's all just politics and we're all screwed so i'm gonna dis i'm not, I'm not gonna pay attention i'm not even gonna vote or i'm just gonna like vote party line based on how i feel about the president or something like that and that's that, how we get stuck in this in this situation that's the complexity of our pol- like our political system chris right is because before I got into like broadband, I had no idea how like complex this stuff was and how important this stuff was for individual residents. But how do you get that across to individual residents that they should care about this stuff when they're caring about their gas bill or they're caring about their electric bill? Who gives a shit so, about, excuse me, about their <laughs> a broadband bill? Kim, before you were born 20 years ago, there were these people called reporters. Some of them had talent and they were allowed to go and write stories and to develop video stories even to explain to people complex situations so that they could then take action on it. But then the rich people bought all the newspapers. (laughs) I'm so glad you said that too, because like people always blame Facebook, right? But it was like those rich people that bought the news, all the private equity that bought the newspapers that killed the newspapers. And then Facebook came along and knifed them, you know, like as they were lying in the gutter bleeding out anyway. So uh, this is a really brutal show. I don't, I don't know who's running this. Well, actually, it's only you, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) I know that no one can censor me. I mean, that's all. You know, if Ryan was here, he would have already muted you. Just so we all know this. (laughs) Yeah, Kim, Kim, you're very lucky to have missed all of this. Um, I want to circle back to some of the interesting. We used uh, to have can openers that weren't electric. We're going to talk about a lot of old stuff. <laughs> I actually, I still don't we have an electric. Cans. We had cans. I'm just going to say, I don't have an electric can opener. I have a regular can opener. I use it like three times a year. <laughs> There's a farmer's market, Doug. I'll bet Asheville has an amazing one. <laughs> we have like eight amazing ones. Yes. And a lot of CSAs because, yeah, all the veggies grow here great. So. Um, so the, uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was, um, the situation in Lakeland. Um, uh, this is where, uh, a city, um, the city of Lakeland has a municipal electric utility. They have a bunch of fiber. They were considering building their own network. And then they said, you know what, that would be really hard. You know, what would be awesome and really easy is if we just contracted with a uh, big old company that is not headquartered anywhere around us and doesn't really care about us and and have them build it out. And um, they have a, a contract and uh, the leadership had, was expecting that that company would be um, investing in the single family homes and bringing competition. And the company basically said uh, one year after the contract began, hey, we're going to focus on the, the apartment buildings. To which Doug says, Chris, get off your high horse. This is nothing. This isn't even really a story. Well, I, I don't know the details locally, but, you know, it's a five-year contract to build out the city. It's only one year into it. The ISP has decided to go after the profitable places first. Sounds like if the contract didn't tell them that they had to go to 
to the single family homes first, then the company's doing the right economic thing. So now, if they don't build everything, then it's a scandal. You know, if they don't get to the single family homes, then we have a major scandal. But one year into a five year contract and they haven't gotten the neighborhoods yet, that sounds kind of normal. So they shouldn't have given a five year contract, should have been a two or three year contract, right? So, would you think, a, Travis, would you take a two or a three contract? Go ahead, right. Kim. Yeah, I was like, do you think it's political pressure? I mean, because that makes sense of what they're doing, going into the highest value um, first. areas first, with which would be apartment yeah. homes, right? I think it's political yeah. that they're just hearing like pushback, and then they're going back to the company being like, oh, oh, oh we didn't mean that. Oh, I, th I think it's the politicians pretending to be surprised because all the people are bitching to them. That's my guess, but Ooh. who knows? I mean, and I don't know the local situation, but yeah. But every, all the residents probably thought they were going to get it this year. Well, not in, in a five-year contract. They weren't anyhow. So. And five years is still a pretty fast time to build Lakeland. Uh, we're talking it about, is, I think, it is well, pretty spread out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's approaching 100,000 or more than 100,000 residents, I would think. I mean, not five, residents, uh, um, Prem. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's like, because I think it's well over, I think it's approaching 200,000 um, residents. And I think it has like approaching 100,000 premises. Well, if they're not building residential homes next year, then they got a scandal on their hands because they won't get it done, right? So. Mm -hmm. Travis, what are you looking at? Comics? No, He's I'm trying to figure. Okay, where where is where right. is Lakeland? Uh, Lakeland, Lakeland is or, in. Uh, okay, yeah. so yeah. they so they have a 12 month build season. Um, yeah. You know, I got to come clean because I was confused with Kim's model for so long, where she wasn't doing MDUs, and now I'm kind of confused with with Lakeland's approach because. We're actually finding it interesting how MDU uptake has actually started to, to taper down than it has been historically. So if I was Lakeland, I would do a blend. I would do, you know, I would try to do half and half because you well, find the, the SFU uptake is far more consistent and easier to get to, to deal with than the MDUs. Um, but five five years to do it in a 12 month, if you've got all the parts and pieces, I don't know. Could and substantial fiber in the arterials. That's the the other. That's what. So the city of Lakeland leased arterial fiber that it had significant routes in to a large cable company. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I it's can we dig into your your MDU thing? Is do you feel like this is like is this yeah, like people that are going? They're they're doing hotspots off of their phone now. I mean, we got we got I, I, better we, tethering we, and limited. Put our finger on it. You know, honestly, you can't because. Is it an up? Is it a, a rental issue? You know, I don't know. I live in. I mean, I've, I've had my home forever, but my understanding is rental rates are going through the roof. Yeah. Rents have um, gone up to like fifteen percent in the last. Six yeah. Months. So, are people starting to cut back on some of the services that they're having? Are they just using their phone? Are they sharing? You know, a bunch of people sharing a hotspot in MDUs. So, I'm I'm not sure a pure, at least my experience lately, a pure open access MDU model isn't isn't. Um, is not bringing the percentages it was bringing a couple of years ago. Well, you know, an apartment building, three or four apartments can share one Wi-Fi connection. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Kim. You're seeing more bulk connections on those. Yeah, so yeah. Our, you know what? Honestly, yeah, our bulk MDU uptake is is you know is 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 bigger. It's just the open access model has been more yeah. challenging, and just this year. Yeah, no, I think it is because I mean, in Salt Lake City, Utah, where I live, you're seeing a one bedroom apartment go $2,200. I mean, $2,200. Yeah. A million dollars? 
Well, they're, they're Utah dollars, but yeah. Okay, yeah. Travis, I'm going to give this one to you. They're Biden dollars because oh, of the inflation. Oh, yeah. Those are worth half what they used to be. Okay, I got it. No, I, I you know, honestly, I mean, uptakes, don't, don't get me wrong, uptake is still okay. It's just not as good as it was. Mm-hmm. And, we're, and we're trying to figure out why. Now, the bulk building up is, 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 is you know, we're having good uptake there. It's the, it's the open access where we're having some, we're having some uptake challenges. Well, because I think if you're so you have to think of a normal like so somebody's making sixty thousand dollars a year and is a one bedroom apartment at twenty two hundred. Yeah. How much money do they have left for like a broadband connection? They're willing to share and like cheapen out on that than they are anything else, right? So yeah. it's we still say it's a necessity, but it's not necessarily as a necessity as hot water and electricity when you're. When you're talking those kind of prices for well, twenty two hundred plus your utilities, yeah. plus your phone, plus a car. Plus, I mean, I don't know how these kids do it. To be honest with you, well, I mean, uh, let's be clear. the The expectation is that for many of them, uh, they will not have cars. I think uh, that's part of that that lifestyle living in you know Minneapolis and MDU, where you can get most of your stuff without needing a car. Yeah, except Uber rates have doubled the last six months. Yeah. So, uh, what do I do? Walk. How do I, I how do I live? I don't know. I don't know. I, well, Travis, they don't live where you live on a lake. <laughs> They're like, you know, they've got lots of takeout he options right around them and things like he that. Know he lives on a lake, but I guess everyone in Minnesota lives on a lake. Right? Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Not, it's hard not to really. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. No. I. I so Lakeland. So you have to understand, Travis. They go out their door and they could walk any direction without getting wet. Yeah. <laughs> all I'm saying is, don't, I wouldn't put all of my chips into open access MDU. I, I, but here, here's the other thing that I've learned, and I learned this long ago building this network. You're always going to have people complain that you're not there. And it's, you know, they'll complain, complain, complain you're not in this certain neighborhood. They'll call you every name in the book. And as soon as you get there, you won't hear from them again. Ever. And now the next neighborhood will, will, do, will run the same playbook. So it, it just is what it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I can't really blame them. I mean, they want they want service. I, I certainly don't think calling names helps. I think there's a um, uh, there's a real government failure in many of these areas to actually have good policy that will make it easier for people to to build. Um, the um, next week we're gonna I'm just gonna forecast that we're gonna be talking more about uh, Maine and this campaign that we've seen from uh, folks pushing back against municipal networks. Uh, this idea that uh, the best way to to solve the problem is with the existing providers, uh, you know, it'd be really, really handy for them. Um, but I'm not sure. I'm curious if uh, in the past, you know, four weeks, uh, Doug and Kim, if you've seen anything that, that you're interested in, I think we got Holland coming up to vote soon. Uh, there was three votes that were lost in uh, Maine uh, by, uh, by uh, this big pressure campaign from these companies. Um, the big companies are really slick at getting to the older people and talking them out of it. They scare them with all sorts of lies. They tell them the taxes are going to go up and and it's never going to get built and it's a waste of money and and they scare them and and they don't and not that many people show up for these votes. These are usual. Often these referendums are held in a different time than presidential yeah. election. So you know, ten percent of the people in town show up. Doesn't take many no's to lose the darn thing. And not to be mean to the older demographic, which is not me, as we all know, um, is that <laughs> those are the ones who usually show up for those votes, right? right? Right. And they get scared. But what I'm seeing, and I'm seeing this across the country, if you have successful muni networks in those areas, 
people will come up and drove come out in droves but if they don't know that they can be successful in their region they don't necessarily show up so that's a good point yeah. yeah you have to have one as an example and i think then i think you you'll see the, the waterfall effect happen yeah so maine does not have a lot of examples along the coast if they had a few that would really it probably would spread yeah so yeah so I, I think it's going to be an interesting battle because I think these these big incumbents who are challenging this are really good at this. And oh, yeah. the, the cities are not anticipating what they are going to see from the challengers. I hear that every day, and I'm sure Doug does as well, is that they think they, they, they can get these votes through with no like pressure. Everything's going to be fine. But there's a lot of things that go behind the scenes for these votes to happen. And people just underestimate what the telcos or the big telcos are going to do. Well, don't forget that during the, once the election season has started, the cities can do no lobbying yeah. at all. They're not allowed to lobby. So. Mm -hmm. In the uh, in one of the things we'll talk about next week, I think, is that actually a number of the chambers of commerce that were part of the group that was lobbying so hard against these have pulled out mm -hmm. and um, and uh, maybe uh, um, accurately or maybe not profess that they had no idea that they were part of a campaign that was, uh, uh, you know, uh, opposed to uh, these votes. Um, and so I, I I do feel like those, some of these lobbyists are kind of engaging in scorched earth where um they may be upsetting folks that they're convincing to go along in a, in doing a more controversial uh, effort than was anticipated. Mm -hmm. Wait, but are are you surprised? I'm I'm worried about Travis. I don't want him to get hypoxia. What is, is, is it hypoxia? What's that? That's a too much water. I forget. Yeah, yeah. Where you drink too much. <laughs> hey, hey Doug or Kim, have you guys heard of any major metropolitan areas rolling out any fiber networks lately? The biggest um, one is Mesa, Arizona, that just announced Mesa. last week. Okay, let's nice talk about that. This is bizarre. This is bizarre. So Mesa does an RFP, right, and says, like, we want someone to build an open access network. And they get a bunch of responses. And they're like, cool, y'all should do it. Like, like we're gonna have like, like in theory, four different open access platforms built. Like, not obviously, it's not gonna happen. But like, I was like, totally like, what the hell is going on here? That's what they said happened. That's who they said won. Four different people who said, don't. well, one of them is Google. Google doesn't actually do an open access. But, they just said. What do you mean? Google may very well want to do it. So no, but they, they don't really push the open access aspect. Though. No, but I'm hearing it's a battle between sci-fi and Google. Yeah. So what's going to happen with that? And who's going to back down from those? That battle, right? What do you mean back down? I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, I... Um, are they both going to build the entire city and see how it goes? Well, then there's two others too, right? Do you think the other two are just going to move on to the next community? I mean, it, first of all, it's a large community. And second of all, Doug, I, I would just, I would dispute that. I mean, my sense is that, that you know, Google's model, um, you know, in, in um, uh, West Des Moines, for instance, does have three competitors on it now, from what I can tell. Right, right. Um, so. We'll see. But no, I'm not hearing too many other big cities doing it yet. So, yeah. That's the I think this is going to be an example city. I think this is going to be an example city of how many competitors can come into a city. New competitors can come into a city. That's and Mesa, Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. Mesa, Arizona. Yeah. You have to wonder how with four of them, if, how any of them can make money. Well, Mesa yeah. has significant conduit already, I believe, as yeah. part of a good planning effort over the years. Um, but yeah, have, I don't, they don't, have I don't get much. it. You know, because I mean, the, the example I always used was the research triangle here in North Carolina, where when Google built fiber, 
so did AT&T and so did Charter. So my brother-in-law lives down there and he has three fiber providers at his house. I think they're all three losing money. But, I mean, I don't know. Look, how that, really be that's what Reed just said. He said he's got two fiber networks at his door. Yeah. I think yeah. we're going to see more of that, frankly. I mean, I, I made this argument several years ago that as we dwindle down, the number of people in cities that have no fiber options will increase slowly, while the number of people that have multiple fiber options will increase more rapidly. Because they will still build to what they perceive to be the best network. Net neighborhoods, you're right. Right. So, yeah. hmm. well, what do they care about the, like, the take rates and the return on investment? Because if you're having four fiber providers in the same neighborhood, what is your potential take rate? Unless you have a, but I think I think it's a long term play. I mean, I think there's there's this issue that, like, they're not interested in like the first five years financials. They're interested in like after the reckoning comes, right? The reckoning is coming, where a bunch of providers are going to sell out to private equity, and then they're going to divide up the country, and and we're going to see a bunch of that fiber is just going to sit there and be unused as as they narrow down the number of networks. I would guess. Am I crazy? Well, one of the options when it's like Mesa after 10 years, Google Fiber buys two of them out or something. I mean, that, you know, that's the kind of can, that's the only real sensible long term play there. So, yeah. That's what I would expect would happen. Right. I don't know if it'll be Google, but I think well, some, I but just... that, somebody. Right. So, yeah. I don't know if it'd be Google either. But yeah. Because, I mean, that's, that's the thing, right, is that like a lot of this, I suspect, is backed by people that are looking for the long term benefit when there is limited competition and they are the sole provider. Gee, people want so monopolies? Yeah, so <laughs> or we're just out service here. Yeah. yeah, we're going back like in time and we're just putting more monopolies in place. So you have higher prices in one provider area after putting well, you all say you say we're putting monopolies in place and i feel like the year might be doing a lot of work there like um i you know i just i i take a lot of this from just like reading of the history of electricity and and you know like there's smart people who will figure out really intelligent ways to corner broadband market because it is an essential utility that people will pay a lot for um, you know, people will be paying a hundred bucks a month soon per Doug Dawson. Uh, some of us already are. Um, and so the idea of being able to corner that is really attractive and they'll take risks to be able to do that. Now, I think, you know, federal policy is, um, is, is nominally trying to oppose that, although not very intelligently. Uh, I think local policy is totally ignorant of it because like they just care about getting something in the ground before the next election, right? Or like doing whatever. So they're not, I, whenever I talk to people about this and I'm like, you you have to focus on like not just the next three years, but like what happens in five years and 10 years as like there's decisions about cost. You know, if you've just given a monopoly to a large company that doesn't care about you, um, you have to understand that you're screwing future generations most likely unless Tirana comes along and like really does you know results in like that's our competitive threat uh but no one's thinking about, about that they're all just thinking about how to solve their immediate problem and not what structures will last and preserve their their uh, their freedom in the future so i have a question for you so we, when we see electric monopolies they usually have lower prices than when we see in the other markets right why do we see that why don't we, we no, see all electric market Nearly all U.S. areas are regulated monopolies. There's very few no, no. where there's not. Right. Um, 
And and one of the things we see is that the those companies control the PUCs and and that's what I was getting at earlier. Like they put tons of money into politics and um and then they game everything. So we pay higher electricity rates than we should because we're paying for inefficient generation, we're paying for a whole bunch of things that we shouldn't, uh, you know, and then um uh and so that's the problem with that fundamentally. Uh and, you, and that's and where you, and you go to those states and the co-ops rates are twenty percent lower because that's the yeah, and the muni is the same. Yeah. Right. Because they're not playing those games, and somehow they provide better service at lower prices. Um, so, uh, but that's what I—that's what I view. I mean, I, I have a very long-term pessimistic view of this. Like, yeah, everyone's getting fiber. I think a lot of people are getting monopolies over the next ten years. Like, yeah, but I'm just waiting for Teddy Roosevelt to come back and bust it all up. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, like, this is the question of like, is like, do we go with Teddy Roosevelt or do we go with uh, what I think was Wilson's options? I like because yeah, Teddy wasn't really into breaking stuff up. Teddy he was really about wasn't. He, he was, was about cool. regulating. He was actually, yeah, he was not the real example. But this he is where, like, talked that up loudly. Yes, this is where Utopia and the others are so important because they will be insulated from all this as long as you don't sell it. Like, if your mayors decide to get rid of Utopia, or you know, in a different case, if a mayor had that option in a different municipal network to get rid of it, that's where the danger will lie, um, because they're going to get tons of money for it. You know, like Travis, I don't know, you know, we you were trying to throw like, throwing out like th th uh, twenty four times EBITDA, right? Like. Like local governments are like, oh, wow, especially, you know, we see interest rates rising. You see potentially economic slowdown. It's going to be really attractive to privatize a, a municipal network or fiber. Um, and then yeah, there's already been control. a dozen city networks that sold fiber networks. Yeah, they, the, the, the offers are too good. Yeah. But I, I think mean, I with Utopia, they're offering almost every one of them money. So, yeah, Utopia is a very different situation because they're all interconnected, right? to separate each of our cities into their own network so in a benefit it's that it's not easy to sell for the residents it's not easy to these benefits but it's i have to tell you that would, that would not stop a vulture capitalist from buying a bigger towns i believe me they could fix them they could fix that <clears throat> they could i mean i'm not saying they couldn't but i mean it takes a little bit of somebody with a little bit of creativity to get to that point and a lot of these people want simple deals and just like get rid of it right and and there is a lot of complexity with utopia and our sister agency so it's it's very complex but but like are these when they when we're seeing these cities sell for these like huge dollars what are they looking at just the huge dollars today not what's in the future from 20 years from now they don't care about 20 years from now. They're selling for the dollars today. Yeah. But also, I mean, one of the things I saw recently, and this was not a, like fiber to the home market, I don't think, but like a, a community that has fiber assets, they're looking to find a purchaser because they can't find someone to run it. They just can't find the the human being with a the talent. They'd love to hire a manager that could handle it, but they haven't been able to find that person that will be able to live in that area and likely work for the salary they're offering. Mm. I mean, this is the thing, right, Travis? I mean, like... Are you are you losing people, Travis? Like, I mean, are you? I think talent is like it's a huge thing. It's the biggest value right now. Is like if you know how to run a fiber network, like your talent, you're, you're you could you can write your ticket. You know, you 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 pay people well, you treat them well, you give them an environment where they can prosper and, and feel like they're adding value, and, and people people uh, prosper. You know, uh, are they willing to go work for some giant corporation? I'm not terribly worried about that, you know. The question I was thinking about is, Kim, are, are you ever worried about someone coming and overbuilding you? You know, as I you mean, guys were talking are. about, like, the former networks, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's always out there that somebody can come in and overbuild us. We haven't seen it yet. Um, yeah. Well, you yeah. are, right? T-Mobile and Verizon are right now, effectively. Yeah, not not necessarily like fiber to the home. I mean, the only person that we're seeing that's out there is Google Fiber, but they're not the same cities we are. So it's like... Well, your, long-term, your long-term rest is places like Bozeman where the cable company might do it. So, yeah. Yeah, you're but seeing... See, the we never, or we, maybe we talk about it occasionally. You know, we always talk about fiber, fiber, fiber. But you know, the reality is, this is a customer service, customer service, customer service yeah. exercise. You know, it, I that that's why I don't ever care, worry about someone overbuilding us because I don't think that they could do the job that we do at the customer service, and that's where you win this this exercise. And so, you know technology yeah that's interesting i mean i think fiber is the best it's it gives the most consistent and reliable experience and has the most legs to it but i don't care i mean if someone wants to come and compete with us you can lose all the money you want i mean i'll 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 overserve you which i think is what resonates with our customers plus travis never has to work because his entire workforce is dressed in black and it's really you cool. got it yeah free all the free t-shirts you can afford right are you, are you i never wear? got my hoodie i just want to put that out there go ahead kim me neither, but thanks. Uh, I mean, now I need a hoodie, Travis. Thank you. Um, I like how I said I, I never got my hoodie. Like, I deserve it or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I would, like, just uh, piled onto that. Thanks, Chris. Because I always need another hoodie. But uh, I think that's where you're seeing. Like, and I was looking up here, right? Because Spectrum is one of the big incumbents up here in Bozeman. And their net promoter score is a, a negative 79. Uh, for Utopia down in Utah, we are at plus 64. So you're Can you just explain that store? Can you explain that store for folks? What yeah. is a net promoter? Well, what a net promoter score is? Yeah. So if you ask, um, how likely are you to um, recommend this service to your friends or neighbors, right? A nine or 10 is a promoter. A seven or eight is a passive, so they don't count. And anything six or below um, is a detractor. So you take the ninth and tenth, and then you take all of the detractors from like six and oh. And you make that happen. So when you're saying a net promoter of 79, um, most people are detractors in that scenario. Mm -hmm. And for Utopia, we're seeing most people are saying that they would promote it or go recommend it to a friend. It's just a, a different uh, beast. So when you're seeing those kind of numbers, it's, it goes into Travis's point is that most people are not necessarily con concerned about technology. They're not necessarily concerned about price. They are concerned about the customer experience and what they are yeah. getting. So let me let me paint a scenario for you, Travis. Um, uh, we continue to deal with supply chain inflation and other challenges. You uh, want to keep building out, so you have to raise your prices. Someone comes in and starts building that network, and they and they're like, you know what? We're gonna offer great customer service. Um, you know, for the first three years, uh, we're gonna we're gonna undercut you by twenty bucks a month, and uh, we're gonna take enough that uh, we're gonna basically deal you a mortal blow. And and then you know, and in seven ten years, we'll be the only one in the market, and we're gonna raise our prices then and get our return then. Yeah. Well, so we we have a little bit of advantage, of probably Kim too, because the thing people don't understand is if, if we actually wanted to make us a lot of money, we would just stop building. Mm -hmm. I mean, my, I mean, my, by the time that they got through even putting in, I don't know, even getting past 20,000 homes, just the labor of doing it, I could have all my debt paid off. 
So you're saying that you would just be like, all right, next year's a, a holiday. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna lower our rates for yeah. everyone. We're not gonna build anymore, and we're gonna make sure that we don't bleed any customers to these yeah. uh, these people that are coming in. We're the only business model that, in our financial perspective, we have the downside scenario for the for the financials looks better than the upside scenario. <laughs> and, and all fiber networks are like this. They are. Yeah, and Doug probably knows better than anyone. You know, if yeah. you you know, everyone's always like, oh, you make a fortune. I'm like, if I want to make a fortune, stop investing. You get past your debt and then you make a for real fortune. Yeah, 37 months later, all the debt's paid for and then you're swimming in cash. Yep. But that's, you know, that that's not. So so there, there really isn't like, if I wanted to come in and overbuild Kim, she could crush me just using my stop expanding because she's got such a big head start. Mm -hmm. And that's that's really the reality of these networks. But when, but when you asked about potential buyers, you know, private equity, they're all about the future. Mm -hmm. And if you if you continue to execute, like if, like if we were private equity and we bought Utopia, the number one question we would ask is, how many more homes can we get in front of? How, deep, how much deeper into the network can we get in the homes you are in front of? And, and that's, that's, the, that's the win because private equity isn't going to hold. Private equity is going to hold on to it for five years, grow it, and then dump it off to the next private equity person. Right. Yeah. So this is kind of the reality out there. But, you know, that's why I've never been terribly concerned about overbuilding. We're so where you're your most vulnerable is in that first two to three years, maybe even the first five years. Well, that's why you don't see two people who are competing in when they're building at the same time for yeah. that reason as well. Because you are very vulnerable at that state of, because you need those take rates very fast in those overbuilding situations. I always figured we needed to get 5,000 subscribers and then we were like, you know, we were, we were through, you know, and, but those first 5,000 are hard to get because like, like Kim alluded to people, we care about fiber, but most people, when you walk up and down the street selling it to them, they want to know price, reliability, customer service, and not necessarily yeah. in that order. I've assumed that from what I've looked at the history that you build the network and uh, the first 10 or 15% are kind of free, right? You could, you could literally be like the, the Satan 666 network and, and enough people hate Comcast enough that they're going to come over to you to get yeah, yeah, 10 yeah. or 15%. And then you got to start working. But yeah, I, I, I would challenge you. I would say you, you get a, you get 30% without even trying. Yeah, I, I do love that Comcast is the most hated company in America. So that doesn't um, harm. Undeserved. I just, I'll just say again, Charter Spectrum, AT and T, much, much worse companies. And uh, Charter. Wait, but you gotta ask yourself. You know, Comcast network isn't bad up here in Minnesota. It's actually pretty decent. It's customer service that's terrible. Yeah. And it can never get good. I don't think, I mean, I don't think Comcast is capable in part because of this thing we talked about earlier. Comcast is not one network. It's like what 50, a hundred yeah. networks, Doug, what would you estimate? Like, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's four or 500 networks. They bought over the years. And so like, and I think Comcast has been more aggressive about replacing that. So eventually it will be one network, but they have all these systems and like, you know, you call into that one person they're trying to figure out, all right, like which, where are you, you know, like, What's the technology that was there? What's the history? At their, at their size, their real problem was getting customer service reps who give a damn. Yeah. That, it's just well, a Chris, job. Yeah. Chris, I've sent you those Reddit threads periodically. There's a good one going on right now. And if you read through it, you don't see the word fiber very often. You see customer service. People are respectful. They answer the phone. You know, that that's what that's what you hear. 
because that's what really resonates. And you, you know what you never hear? You, you have one or two people that whine about price. Price isn't even on the radar for most people. They would rather have yeah. it be reliable and consistent. Well, it's on and, the radar if it gets high enough, but if it's a decent price, then it's not. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. If it's a fair price, you know, you're fine. Go ahead, Kim. And I mean, I'm assuming, Travis, you, you get this same feedback, but I get this all the time on our Google reviews is this person was really nice to me on the phone. And the installer yeah. is really respectful of me. And it wasn't like, yeah. it's not hard things that you're like trying to achieve, but it's these small things that nobody understands that the big incumbents have never you, that they treat you like you need their business, like vice versa, that you need, they need your business, right? So Which is true. Really yeah. You call Comcast and they try to upsell you, no matter yeah. what you you call about a problem and they take five minutes to try to get you to increase your spending. You know, That's the simplest thing we put in. Yeah, go ahead, Jim. No, I was going to say, and Doug, do you upsell them? Do you, do you buy another product for them? <laughs> oh, yeah, every time. You bet. I don't ever call them, but I do. Yeah. You know, we put in a thing like, I can't stand those phone trees. I'm, you know, I'm 52 years old. I, I hate that. Press one for sales, press two, you know. So you know what we do? Somebody answers the phone, like old school. And you know how many reviews, positive reviews we get off that? Just that mm -hmm. simple little thing. And you know what's funny about those phone trees? It's one person at the desk, and you weed through 27 options to get to that person. And they don't why know what's going on. Why can't that person just pick up the phone? Yeah, no. <laughs> so this is what I always get at because I'm like, I'm like trying to yeah. figure out how to like put my like 12 or 16 digit account number into the <laughs> yeah. thing, and yeah. I get to the person and they're like, "All right, what's your account number?" And I'm like, yeah. "Are you freaking kidding me?" Like, why? <laughs> I lost that the day after you hooked me up. How the hell do I know? Yeah. <laughs> so this is why I, I, you know, I love when the big companies are like they're going to they can't compete at the level that that people want to be you know treated like, and then that's our my, and that's my biggest fear is turning into a company like that. We Google should, uh, had a very interesting blog just a couple of days ago. And it, this was for cellular customers. And what they said was 50% of the people who contact customer service decide afterwards they don't want to keep that provider anymore. <laughs> really? Now, yeah. On cellular, you know, that's a very easy to change market and it's very different than broadband, but because everyone's roughly equivalent. But that's pretty. That tells you how important customer service is. That that was a dramatic example. So it's yeah. it's, it's a huge example, Doug. But I mean, I mean, I've seen some of my customer service reps because I'm over the customer service um, department in my company. I've seen them get brownies from people who have brought them in stuff and said, "We appreciate you like listening to us." I mean, that's how like some of these small things can make a huge difference in your take rates and your customer right. acquisition because they will tell friends this. But like these big companies are like, well, no, that doesn't matter. And I'm like, it's it's incredibly important to people out there right now. It's I think it started with the Amazon effect years ago when Amazon actually cared about you as a customer, not necessarily what they care about you today. So <laughs> do you end up with half of your CSRs uh, stoned uh, ever? Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't like to talk about that, Chris, but we'll talk about that in another <laughs> company customer service actually care about how quickly their reps get off the phone, not if they help mm -hmm. people. Yeah, you should be promoting them to talk longer, not shorter. Right? Yeah, my so, average um, customer service rep is on the phone for six minutes. 
And we're yeah. well, and there was several of the community networks I've talked to uh, will talk about how, and I think Travis, you might have said this too. Like, you trust your customer service folks that if they need to dispatch a person to go, if they're like, "Look, we can't resolve this over the phone. We're just going to send someone." Or like in smaller towns, just like, "Hey, I'm going to drive over to your house right now and help you resolve this issue and like get her done." Oh no, that drives me nuts. That's where we started out. You know, we'd sit on the phone for an hour trying to troubleshoot. I'm like, that person lives right there. <laughs> <laughs> Go over there and help them plug the cord in. You know, I mean, that's all you have to do, you know, and oh, you know, because the the problem with technology people is they get they, they assume everybody knows. Right. And a lot of these people don't they don't know how it works. They don't care how it works. They just want to watch TV, you know, or they just want to be on the Internet. They have no idea how it works. You know, they don't know the difference between Wi-Fi in the house and the fiber connection coming in. Right. And, and, and our mission is to make sure that they don't need to know the difference. That point is they don't need to know the difference. Yeah. But I think that is a huge point. Like I tell my customer service reps all the time, just because you took that call five hours ago, the person who's calling in today or right now doesn't know that you took that call five hours yeah. ago. They're a new customer. They don't understand what they don't know. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I've, I love is that I've seen some of my customer service reps for a especially elderly people not like myself as we've discussed today um they'll be like that we've heard like that the 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 relative of that elderly person will call in and say my my parents phone is down i can't get a hold of them unless that phone is up and they'll like write our technicians on our slack channels and they'll say well we'll get out there tonight to make that happen yeah. those kind of small moments make a huge difference in the perception of your company and how many people will subscribe and how many people they will tell to subscribe to it because of those small things that you go like the extra mile for. And I think yeah. that is the thing that like the telcos don't see anymore. Well, do you know when AT&T was a monopoly before 1984, they did that stuff? They were great at it. They just forgot after the, after they became profit or Well, the incentives changed. Or they became profit or <clears throat> and they stopped well, caring. I don't know if you know this, Doug, but I wasn't born by 1880. <laughs> I have no idea who I'm even talking about. Dude. Yeah, final final thought on that. We What we rolled out a number of years ago, we call them our emergency response team. They're on 24 by 7. It's usually three trucks, and their job is to be at somebody's house in less than an hour to fix their problem. Mm -hmm. That's it. So if a call comes into the call center, they can't resolve it. They dispatch ERT, ERT fixes it, and off we go. And that's that's it. And that's that is the type of response that resonates through social media. And that that's that's how you live and die and how you compete against the competition. And that's why scale matters, because it's a hell of a lot easier to do that on a, on a base of tens yeah. of thousands of customers than than uh, one thousand. Yes. yes. Oh, it, it, oh, exactly. It is. But it's it's trying to continually improve the customer experience. And don't get don't get drunk on your own product just because you have fiber. A lot of our a lot of our a lot of our customers have a choice between another fiber provider, but we don't let that other fiber provider have any customers. So, and it's not price. I'll tell you that. No, your other competitor has zero percent take rate. Well, I drive, I drive up and down the alleys and find out who their customers are. So, he's, he's, what, it's the one. It's the one thing about an aerial network you can tell who who it is. He snips the drops, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
we have to uh, we have to wrap this up soon. Travis is getting distracted, and I know Doug just recently got upsold on um, the Peruvian uh, soccer two league uh, from Charter Spectrum when he called in about the problem he had. So he wants to check out some of those games. It was only nine dollars extra month. <laughs> Look, that Rye gave us some like really good. Look feedback. at Rye, yeah. I know. Look at us. Oh, I'm. Uh, uh, I was getting ready to do the outro, so. <laughs> Fire the old guy. No, no, Rye. Come on. <laughs> we need to Rye. Please come back. Yeah. I thought he was talking about the old guy. I was like, which one of us is the old guy? Yeah. Not, not Kim. She made that clear. <laughs> Definitely not, not Kim. Kim. Double not Kim. Yeah. She uh, was crystal clear in today's episode. Not 42 in two weeks. Um, this would be this would be 20 <laughs> um so as we just one last thing i'm just curious uh you know we we covered a bunch of different stuff uh kim and doug in particular is there anything else that uh, uh you want to make sure we talk about as we roll out i'm very disappointed that you and travis didn't make a bet on whether the fcc would pass 120 this year well we, we do i mean we have the double or nothing bet that um okay. yeah which is uh which is rolling on so by by march i i don't know um I, I don't know that it matters. Like the, the honest better, question, let's better answer. Yeah. yeah, let's 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 be honest. Like the, the FCC has lost the trust of everyone, um, of its other agencies. Um, not on everything, right? Like I mean, I think if you look at Harold Feld talking about this twelve gigahertz stuff and the FCC's engineers, you said it earlier, Doug. Like their engineers, I think, are terrific. They do a really good job. Um, but on on this matters of broadband, the FCC had to, has lost the trust of everyone, and I don't see that there's any kind of a plan to get it back. Frankly, like if I was at the FCC and I was uh, if I was a chairperson after the federal government had decided to sideline me in the distrib distribution of the largest investment of of a wired you know um, broad of 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 uh, telecommunication services, I would think I would have a plan to be like, how are we going to fix this? How are we going to regain the trust of everyone? And I feel like if anything, they're just proving their irrelevance in this matter. So do we think that Gigi is going to get through in any time soon? Like, I don't know. I'm, so I'm so frustrated. Like Chuck Schumer, is he going to like, like, why don't they just take September off too? I don't know. Like, you know, I don't understand. Gone all of August. They, I don't understand how they can't get her through. I'm, I'm mystified. Yeah. Um, one of the issues has been health issues. Go ahead, Travis. <laughs> so Kim, as a fellow operator outside of this show, do you ever think of the FCC? Not at all. <laughs> Not ever. Yeah. So uh, Chris and I are doing a good job. Have, never a new job the FCC. We've done a good job. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you may not think about it, but like a lot of the rules that you follow and your staff have to follow and the reporting and everything else um, all come down from the FCC. It's like that thing where like, I you may not think about the FCC. Yeah, the I FCC thinks about you. Yeah. <laughs> I can't keep track of everything. Isn't there something new now? We have to tell everyone where our customers are. So yes. yeah. yeah, fabulous idea. <laughs> no, no, no. It doesn't, I don't think you have to tell where customers are. That actually would be considered a trade secret still. It's where you can offer service. No, no. They have to, he has to also tell them where his customers are. He has to. Okay. Yeah. I do love the last comment that we just received. And more <laughs> important, do your friends or family ever think of any government agency other than the IRS and maybe NASA? The police when they're following me. Other than that, I'm good. Yeah. I'm not 20, and so now I think about the Social Security. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got my first check. We're good. 
Yeah. I just come on here to hear what the FCC is up to. I don't even pay attention. So thank you guys for keeping me educated. Um, we're, we're rapidly looking for a thousand by a thousand. That's my, you goal. do understand Travis, that everything we say about the FCC is imaginary. This is all just to spoof you. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although, I mean, I think, you know, I don't, I haven't tracked it, but on Twitter, like Harold Feld was, and others were, were kind of looking at this. I don't know if it's a bill that's moving rapidly through that would gut its authority over the telephone networks. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, I feel like, you know, you have a few thousand people that aren't able to call 911 people are going to take notice travis like yes. like there are things i mean the fcc oh, did cool. unveil was it 811 the uh, mental health hotline that's or 899 um something like that, some number there's a number but if you have I mean, a mental health the, issue the fcc has done some good things they did a good job with forcing everybody to do 911 right they do some good stuff well that's you know what i commend them you know yeah the six gigahertz spectrum fabulous decision yeah Chris, you didn't mention the one thing I was thinking you were going to mention and put up the picture of what arrived. Oh, yes. Um, Travis has Tirana to play with now. Yes, so. we have the uh, Tarvana network year has arrived. I thought you, should I take a, you need to take a Sharpie. Send me a picture of you. Put a, v in, put a V in it. I, I'm very curious to see how this magic stuff works. So we're, uh, we're going to hopefully mount it here in the next couple of weeks, and I'll be re- able to report back if it's so, the greatest thing since peanut butter and jelly. I'm hoping that Kim and Doug will be able to join us in in um, August. I hope you're not taking the whole month of August off because you are not U.S. senators, not doing anything important apparently. Um, but uh, hopefully, I'll be back in two weeks. That might be too soon for the Tirana, but later on in August, uh, we'd love to spend some time on that, Travis. Yeah, no, I'm I'm curious to see. You know, everyone raves highly of it. Let's let's put it to the through its test. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I might have another hat by then. Excellent. You know, I do got to commend you on the hat. I'm going two thumbs up on the hat today. It's a good look on you. Eleven dollars. Eleven dollars. Well, uh, next week. Next week we're looking at three east. No, four Eastern time, three Central for a call uh, with uh, Peggy. Peggy Schaefer. Peggy Schaefer, who is retiring the day after our show. Um, I know, but on the other hand, um, uh, that means that we're going to have a great show with Peggy. Our last activity in the broadband industry is you. Yeah, but then hopefully we'll have her on again, Unleashed. (laughs) (laughs) Kim, Kim, we couldn't catch you, sorry. Can we can't ever come back and like just get back in the broadband industry? She's a oh yeah, I don't think she's disappearing from the broadband industry. I think she's just gonna she's gonna be um, uh, let's just say free entertaining, free agent. Yeah, yeah. So uh, wonderful. Thank you all, and I uh, hope everyone has a great uh, long weekend. Uh, and um, yeah, I'm gonna unclick the outro button, and who knows what'll happen next. So is this a long weekend? Well done, Mr. Mitchell. Well it's a long done. Weekend for me. It's a long weekend for me. Holiday on Monday. What holidays on Monday? Pioneer Day, Utah. Oh, cool. I'm just trying to. I have too much vacation time, and I work all the time. So I'm trying to work fewer Fridays over the summer, which just means I end up writing and doing other things I didn't get done earlier in the week. <laughs> we'll explore that next time. What does work mean, Mr. Mitchell? Sounds good. You can tell right. that uh, um, it doesn't drag me down too much. Uh, <laughs> Have a great one, everyone, and uh, thank you for being on the show.